0: thanks for joining us for the connect podcast i'm cole phillips the lead pastor of the connection church and every week we're going to look into the bible to find out how god's word connects to our everyday lives it's going to be life-changing The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service. Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, what is up? I'm so glad that you're joining me here today. On the Connect Podcast, we uh, get together every week to get into God's Word so that we can get God's Word into us, so that we can get it out of our lives, into our culture, into the world around us, really making a difference in our culture. And so we know that God's Word is not just for our information, but it is for our life transformation. And that happens when we apply it through application. And so we're going to be doing that today. Now I want you to check this out. I've got an app on my phone. It's called, um, well, it's Tempo. And so when I play it, check this out. It's gonna, it's gonna beat out a steady tempo. Okay. And so as I am talking, I'm going to keep pace with the tempo because it's, it's, you know, it's there beating into your head. You think you hear the tempo. And then, but check it out. Uh, Sometimes this tempo moves a little slower. That's nice, nice, slower tempo. Sometimes it moves a little faster. Okay. And uh, so we try to. Keep pace with the tempo, but we want a good, nice, steady tempo. Actually, I think 120 is uh, kind of in line with uh, what is sort of standard. But you know that because the average resting heartbeat is uh, is this. Let's see if I can get it really slow. If you go on the slowest one, it's 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 about like this. It's about 60. up to maybe a hundred okay somewhere in there so if you got 60 and that 120 is kinda double that and that's usually where a lot of music kinda starts but that's your pulse and your pulse is determined by your heart and your heart is always pumping out a steady rhythm you know life is about rhythm and you think about you think about tempo. You think about time. Time is the most precious resource that we have. And Jesus really understood the time. He understood the time that he had. The time that he had in his life to accomplish what God had given him. And you know, God gives you exactly enough time to do exactly what he wants you to do in your life. You, you don't have more time. But you have enough time to do what God wants you to do, and Jesus understood uh, how God wanted him to use his time. We need to understand how God wants us to use the time that we have been given. Time is precious because you can't make any more time. Everybody has the exact amount of time in a day. It's a limited resource. You can't buy time. Uh, You remember Time Flies? and uh, people say this they say time is money well that's not true because time is more valuable than money you can make more money it may be hard to make more money but you can do it Uh, but you cannot make more time so time is more valuable than money you can't save time you can't uh, you can't slow down time when time is gone it's gone and when you're just killing time well You'll never get that time back, and the the difference between time and money, we have different amounts of money, all of us, but we all have exactly the same amount of time each day. Every day, God gives us 86,400 seconds in a day. And just imagine, if someone gave you uh, an amount of money, they gave you $86,400. And the only catch was you had to spend it all in one day. And you, if you didn't spend it, if you didn't use it, you'd lose it. You would go out and you would purchase everything you could, right? You would make the most of the money that you were given. Because there's not a promise that you'll be given any more tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. We're given today. So as we get into God's Word today, we're getting into, we're, we're going... Um, Passage by passage, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Gospel of John. And we're getting to know Jesus better. And so we're moving to a brand new chapter now. We're in chapter seven, getting even closer to the end of Jesus' ministry and his life when he goes to the cross. And it's sort of like um, it's it's uh we're focusing in, we're focusing in on, on his journey to the cross. And so let's look at Verse one of chapter Seven get your get your uh, Bibles out and and let's let's read this together. It says after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. (laughs) Good reason not to go to Judea because there were the religious leaders there and they wanted Jesus dead. And Jesus knew that it, it was not the right time for him to go there to Judea because he had a certain timeline. He knew God's timeline and it wasn't time yet. Uh, for him to go, so he stayed there in Galilee. And, and even though, check this out, he was he he was under threat. His life was being threatened. That didn't stop him from ministering and serving God where he was, in the in the situation, the place that he was. You know, Galilee was not nearly as prominent of a location uh, as Judea. But still, Jesus knew that his work there was important. It was making a difference. And sometimes we, as just people, we can get so caught up on the prominence and the likes and the acceptance and and how, how many people we're reaching when we need to realize that at some point it is really about just being faithful to where God has us in the moment, there is there was a future in judea but galilee was where god had him now and it was so important that he was faithful where he was can you imagine if jesus said well i can't go to judea so so i'll just you know stop serving and i'll just sit around here in galilee and i'll just wait a while that's not how you do it right that's not how jesus would ever do it what do you do you Work while you wait. You serve where you are until God opens the doors for what is next. That is being faithful. And when you're faithful with a little, God always rewards you, uh, your faithfulness. Okay. Now listen, let's think about time again. There are 168 hours in every week. And the average person spends about 56 of those hours sleeping. That's if you get like eight hours a night, I guess. Um. So, think about that. Think about: Are you getting too much sleep? Not enough sleep? I really highly encourage uh, sleep. Okay, that's uh, sleeping is actually an act of worship. Okay, but about 24 hours of those uh, of those hours in a week will be eating. Uh, some of us <laughs> will eat more. Uh, getting you know uh, hygiene, getting dressed, and, and those things. And about 50 of those hours are working and commuting. That means that there are only about 35 hours a week that's sort of what you'd call discretionary, that you would have a choice. How am I using this time? That is only about five hours every day. And those hours are really what we need to focus in on. How? What are we doing with our five hours a day? And if you track it and you look, you say, okay, how much am I scrolling social media? How much... Am I, uh, you know, watching TV? How much am I wasting the time that I have? And if I watched what you did with those five hours every day, I could tell where your priorities are, what you really cared about, what is most important to you. And I might say, here's what's most important to you, you know, Facebook. And and you go, no, no, that's not most important, but the time shows that is. Now, if you're watching on Facebook right now, Keep watching. This is getting into God's Word, so this is time well invested. Uh, Some of us, you know, it's watching TV. But the question is, are you intentionally also serving, caring for others, doing what God wants you to do? I think about one of my favorite verses in Ephesians 5.15 that says, "...So be careful how you live, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days." So we live in evil times, in evil days, and yet we have opportunities each day to shine light, to make a difference. And he says we've got to be wise. And it's hard because there's all kinds of opportunities that come our way, things that you could do, things that you need to say no to, and, um, and there's really more to do than you can ever get done, right? So let's look at what Jesus does in verse 2. But when the Jewish festival of Tabernacles was um, near, okay, so so this sets the time, the Feast of Tabernacles, and this was an annual celebration. I want us to understand this as we set the stage for the next couple of chapters, uh, because this was, you know, the Jewish calendar was so important, and it's important to understand uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. This you're going to get so smart through this, but check it out. It was an eight-day celebration. The first day and the last day were Sabbath days, so it was a time, those were days of rest. But the uh, Jewish month of Tishri is kind of like what you can think of our December. There's joy, there's celebration for a lot of the month. And uh, so so the Feast of Tabernacles before that, there was the Fast of Atonement, and then followed uh, by that, uh, Yom Kippur, and then five days after that uh, was the, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so some uh, place this feast that we're talking about here uh, in the year 29 in uh, October 11th through the 18th could be the exact dates, or maybe that's wrong, but that's what some people have said. Uh, But anyway, check it out. The celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles was one of three annual celebrations that every Jewish male who lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem was required to go to. And thousands of people came from places much further away than that. And during the, this week, they lived in tents outside. They went out of their house, they camped in what they called booths in their yards to remind them of how God led them through the wilderness and they lived in shelters out on their journey out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And the, the way they constructed these tents was in a way so that the light would come through And the roof had to be open enough so that at night they could see the stars in the sky. And, um, you know, as many of the feasts that they had, they emphasized the past. There was a past element to the Feast of Tabernacles, but there was also a future element. The Feast of Tabernacles looked back to the Exodus and God's people being freed from captivity and slavery, but it also looked forward to the promised kingdom of the Messiah. And so... There, there, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot that happened here through this. There were, there were um, trumpets that were blown. There was water that would pour out. In fact, um, in fact, as they would go to the pool of Siloam, they would, um, the priest would dip his pitcher into the water and would say, from Isaiah twelve three, "You will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation." Also, reminding when God provided water from the rock to quench the people's thirst. Now, this chapter really is t- telling us how do we quench that inner thirst that we have? How do we quench it? And um, and we're going to look at some wrong ways that we try to quench our thirst because many times that's the way we approach it instead of with the only thing that really will quench our thirst. So uh, we, we want to um, see... This, that, that it's important that we fit the message of the gospel of Jesus into the culture, the lives of the people, so that they can understand it. And that's what missionaries learn how to do, how to speak to a particular culture. And this is what's happening in John chapter 7. There's this message of the living water of Jesus, but it's set... In, in this um, place of the Feast of Tabernacles where they had this great water festival. Okay, so we need to learn how to do that as well, how to speak to our culture. Um, verse 3 says this, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who, who wants to become a public figure acts in secret since you're doing these things. Show yourself to the world, even his brother's did not believe him. So this was the advice uh, from his brothers. And, and the way, one way that we try to satisfy our spiritual thirst is through, um, through a human strategy, through a political solution, uh, through, through trying to outsmart God, in, in a sense. And that's what Jesus' brothers were doing. They didn't really believe Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't trust in him, but they're giving him advice anyway, and it's very political advice um, that they're giving. And you, you have to wonder, why didn't they believe in Jesus? They knew him all of his life, and maybe they were just a little too familiar. They grew up with him. And we see that you can get so comfortable with something, with a person, with Jesus, that you miss the miracle. They miss the miracle of who Jesus is. And I think that's true of a lot of people who grow up in church. They, they've they gone through the motions, they've done all the rituals, they think they, they've been there, done that, seen it all, um, you know, all that and a bag of chips. I mean, they, they know all the facts, but they've missed the heart. They even miss the truth of the power of God. Jesus had four younger brothers. In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says his brothers were James, Joseph, Judas, and and Simon. Okay, not that same Judas, but a different one. In fact, Jude was the one who wrote the book of Jude in the New Testament, and James, his half-brother, wrote the book of James in the New Testament. But these brothers, they didn't trust in Jesus or believe in him until after he rose from the dead. In fact, they were ashamed of Jesus. His family thought he was crazy, and even his sisters. He came from a big family who didn't believe that he was the Messiah. And so for us, I think it's important that we don't get so comfortable. You know, at the Connection Church, we see lives being changed week after week, people going public for baptism. We see, we hear all of these stories, and we think this is normal, but it's not. It's not. It's supernatural. We try many times to follow human strategies, but human strategies will never work for spiritual solutions. We think, I'm gonna just help God out. God, this is what the brothers were thinking. Jesus just needs better PR. He needs better marketing, and we slap worldly strategies onto spiritual issues to make God better. And it's ridiculous when you think about it. You know, they told Jesus, "Give the people what they want." You you can you go there and do all these you know do all these miracles um, and. Jesus and they knew they knew that Jesus was a wanted man, that uh, they were trying to ki- the, the leaders were trying to kill him, they knew he wouldn't go, but they were kind of prodding him. They were prodding him. Don't keep this a secret, they were saying. Now listen, maybe you're in a family and your family has given you some bad advice. Jesus understands. Jesus understands that and you think about Jesus being fully human and fully God, there had to be some level that being rejected by his family was hurtful to him. That To have his family, the brothers and sisters, embarrassed of him, not being supportive of him. Now listen, when you stand for Jesus, you take a stand for the truth of God's word, and people reject you, you can know that Jesus understands. Even if it's people in your own family. Hebrews 2.18 says about Jesus, because he himself suffered When he was tempted he's able to help those who are being tempted jesus knows jesus faced it all he knows what you're going through he cares about what you're going through he understands what you're going through and he wants to walk with you through it he wants to help you through what you're going through now let's look at verse six therefore jesus told them told his brothers my time is not yet here For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going out to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. Okay, you know he's saying, "Look, it's not my time. It's your your time's fine. You go." So we got to understand that God's timing for every one of our lives is unique. Jesus responds to them. He says, "I'll do this. I'll go." In God's timing you can go people aren't trying to kill you but they want to kill me so I'm not going until God opens the door and Jesus when he says my time has not yet come he's talking about the time that he would go and be crucified on the cross to give his life and die for the sins of the world and at that time he was truly revealed to be the Savior and our Lord and Jesus understood God's timing And it had to do with the hatred that the religious leaders had for Jesus. We need to understand that. Check this out. Write this down. God's timing was good enough for Jesus, and it should be good enough for us as well. We get impatient, you know, and so we try to press it. We do it on our own time. But Jesus knew it was God's will for him to go all the way to the cross, but not yet. And we need to understand. Something may be God's will in line with God's will, and yet not be God's timing. It may not be the right time, and we have to understand both God's will and the right time. And in order to do that, we need to have some patience. It's hard to do to have patience. Where, I'm maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I'm impulsive. You know, let's just get it done, get it over with you know and also it has to do with trusting in God trusting in his timing because God's timing is perfect he's never early he's never late he is right on time and um, and so today we is the now is the time we do need to point out our cultures the sin in our culture that it is opposed to our culture is opposed to God's kingdom. We, that's the culture we live in. And it it's our responsibility to make sure people understand that, to, to let that people know that we proclaim and preach the truth as followers of Jesus, that we don't hold back on the truth, and the world can't be saved unless they know what it is they need to be saved from, that we need to acknowledge the, the evil um, in our our world and we need to work to correct it and let allow God to work through us to correct it and it's our job to lovingly and boldly and clearly communicate the truth of God but we have to always remember that as we proclaim the truth we do it in the way Jesus did and that is we we say it in love in a way that that connects with people's desperate needs and if you don't know Jesus today If you don't know him today, then today, you talk about God's timing, today is the perfect time to trust him. This is your time to to trust God with every minute of your life, every moment of your life, and uh, with your whole life today. Because God's word says, it says, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Let's thank God right now for his salvation. Uh, if you don't know him, then and then I encourage you, get to know him today. Surrender your life to him today. But also, for all of us, we want to understand God's timing. Have patience. Have trust. You may be waiting for something and you've been waiting a long time. Don't give up. Hold on to God's promises. He is faithful and he will do Uh, everything in his time. He makes all things uh, perfect and beautiful in his time. So let's pray together right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your goodness right now, Lord. We thank you for uh, your perfect timing. Even though, God, we can get so impatient, we're focused on now, and we know that today is the only day you've given us. So help us to live for you today, to make The moments of our lives, the minutes of our lives count for you. But God, also help us to trust in you, to to understand your will, and to move at your pace, in your timing, trusting in you each step of the way. God, we thank you. I thank you for each one listening. I pray a special blessing on them today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you again next Wednesday uh, or whenever you're listening or watching this. Uh, I look forward to you joining us again as we move through the Gospel of John. Thank you for being here and have a blessed rest of the week. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.